It's such a delight to welcome you this morning to this last Sunday of 2020, and what a year it has been. None of us expected at all what this year would bring, and it probably had already begun by this time last year, but we just didn't know it. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Forces were at work that would affect all of our lives, but we were completely unaware of them. And as you think about it for a moment, isn't that kind of the way it always is? Forces are at work that we are unaware of, and yet those very forces will indeed affect our lives. Um, Ellen and I have had years where we were very grateful at the end of the year that the old year was ending because there were so many difficult things we dealt with in that year. And we were very much looking forward to the new year. And then as we got into the new year, uh, we discovered that there were some more hard things that came our way. And those hard things lasted throughout the entire year. And it was sort of deja vu all over again. In fact, during those years, Ellen and I would often tease each other and say to one another, what were we saying about looking forward to the new year? Now, I don't want to discourage any of us this morning, but you know, it's very possible that for many of us, the challenges of 2021 will be greater than the challenges of 2020. There might be health issues that will arise, and those issues will not go away as easy as the virus has for most of us. There also will be family issues that might arise in our lives, and some of those family issues will not have a simple solution. And then, of course, financial concerns or problems may also occur that we'll have to deal with in the new year. I talked to a restaurant owner just recently who said to me that his retirement plans have been greatly affected by what has happened this year. And already, as he anticipates the new year, he has financial concerns. Now, the question that I have for us on this last Sunday of 2020 is this. How does being a Christian make a difference? How does knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've just been wonderfully singing about with the praise team, how does that make a difference? Well, we know that it doesn't mean our problems will vanish. Being a Christian is not an escape from reality, and anyone who tells us that it is is not telling us the truth. But what is being a Christian? Being a Christian is having someone in the problems. The Lord Jesus Christ, that's what being a Christian is all about. And so how does he change things? Well, this morning, as we come to this last message in our Advent series during December, I want us to turn to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And this morning, I want to bring a message entitled, The Prediction of the Reigning Sun. Because as we look at verses 1 to 7, what we discover is that Jesus changes things in two ways because we know him as Lord and Savior. And let's look at those ways this morning as we anticipate 2021. I want to begin with verses 6 and 7, 
because they are the foundation for verses 1 through 5. You'll notice verse 6 starts with a 4, which tells us that these verses are the reason for the promises of verses 1 and 5. So let's start with verses 6 and 7, and here we notice that Jesus changes things because of his nature. He changes things because of who he is, what his nature is. Listen to verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now here, the Lord sets for us, before us, the wonderful nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice as we begin verse 6, there's something that strikes us as rather strange. Uh, the second phrase seems redundant to us. When we read a child is born and a son is given, that second phrase seems to repeat the first phrase. But what is very important for us to see is the Hebrew word for child here means a male child, a boy. And so, of course, he would be a son. Now, that being true, this must simply then be a repetition of the first phrase, or what this must mean is this is more than an earthly son. This is a divine son. And that's exactly what Isaiah is telling us. You see, the child who is born is his humanity, the son who is given is his deity, and the fact that Isaiah says he is given means that Jesus Christ, the one who is being spoken of, is given to us as a gift. Now, what do we discover here then? Well, this is a perfect statement of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Right here in the Old Testament, this is as clear as John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then this is also a perfect statement of the gospel, the good news, right here in the middle of the Old Testament, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Here in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is true man and true God, we have the incarnation and the good news of the Son who's given and the child who is born. But then as we move along in this verse, we notice that there are four very special titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at these titles, we discover that each title contains two words. One of those words refers to his deity, the son who is given, and the other to his humanity, the child who is born. 
Now in the original language, in the first two titles, the words for deity come first, wonder and God. The word wonderful was a word used of wonders in the Old Testament, something that was supernatural or extraordinary. And the word for God here is a Hebrew word that in the Old Testament is never used of any other person but God himself. And then in these two titles, we have the words for humanity that come next, counselor and mighty. The word mighty here was used of a mighty warrior, of a, of a hero. And we know what a counselor is. It's someone who gives wisdom about life and reality. So in these first two titles, here's what we have. Jesus is a wonder as a counselor, and he is God who is mighty. And then in the second two titles, the words for humanity come first, father and prince. And father referred to a, a king who was benevolent and caring, someone who looked out for his subjects. And a prince was a royal son who was destined to inherit a throne. Now, in these two titles, the words for deity then come next, everlasting and peace. So the third title means he is the father of eternity. He is eternal in his nature, and his rule will be eternal. I want you to contrast this with me for just a moment with other religions in the world. Do you know the Muslim Quran? has 99 names for God, but not one of them is Father. Think about that. Allah is never known in the Quran as Father. If we wonder, why is there so much hate in Islam? Well, here's the answer. There's no sense of a caring and loving Father but our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Father of eternity. And then this last title, he is the Prince of Peace, the well-known Hebrew word Shalom. The Bible tells us that God alone is the God who can give Shalom because he is the God of peace. And this refers not only to peace with him and peace with each other, but it also refers to all godly prosperity and well-being in our lives. You know, I was thinking just recently about the stock market crash that occurred in 2008, 12 years ago. Do you know in that crash, Ellen and I lost $10,000 in combined assets. That's a lot of money to lose in, in one incident. And do you know, 12 years later, my pension has still not caught up to where it was in 2008. And I wait every year for the day in which I will see that my pension has been restored back to where it was 12 years ago. You know, as I think about those things, they can make you worry. They can make you worry. And so as you look at these four titles of Christ, you say to yourself, is there anything here that is the antidote to my concerns, my worries? 
Well, you know, there's something very interesting here. This final title, Prince of Peace, is repeated in the first line of verse 7. Let me read for you the first line of verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The word government and prince come from the same root word. So here we are being told that the prince of peace, when he comes again, is going to bring about international peace and economic prosperity and well-being for those who are in peace with God. What a wonderful promise this is. The Prince of Peace, who is also the Father of Eternity, who is also the Mighty God, who is a wonder of a counselor, when he comes in his kingdom, is going to establish international peace and economic prosperity and well-being for all who are in a relationship of peace with him. Now, I just have to say, if he can do that when he comes again, what can he do for those of us who know him as Lord and Savior today? You know, in a wonderful sermon on this text, Pastor Ray Ortland has this to say, and it's so helpful for us. He says, look at Jesus. As the wonderful counselor, he has the best ideas and strategies. Let's follow him. As the mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily. Let's hide behind him. As the everlasting Father, he loves us endlessly. Let's enjoy him. And as the Prince of Peace, he reconciles us while we are still his enemies. Let's welcome his dominion. Say, do you think we can safely go into 2021? without the worries of the coming year on the basis of this. Let's follow him. Let's hide behind him. Let's enjoy him. Let's welcome his dominion. All of that we can grasp hold of because of who he is. He is the child who was born for us. He is the son who is given to us. Well, now, as we back up into this wonderful prophecy here in Isaiah 9, we discover that Jesus also changes things because of his promises. You see, his nature, who he is, is based on what he promises. And so, in verses 1 to 5, we find some very, very wonderful promises. Let me read them for you, starting at verse 1. It doesn't start out very wonderful, but listen to what Jesus is going to do. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. 
They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now I want you to notice here that what I've read for you, especially in verses 2 to 4, Isaiah speaks in the past tense. I'm sure you saw that. He says, have, has, have, 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 five times. The people of God, he says, already have what is being promised here. And yet the strange thing is, this is a prophecy about the future. And so we have to ask, what in the world is going on here? Well, this is what is known as Hebrew prophetic perfects. Hebrew prophetic perfects. The events here are so sure to occur that nothing can stop them. So Isaiah speaks as though they have already happened. But here's the thing. These promises to the first people who heard them would not be fulfilled for years to come and they would still have to go through the Assyrian captivity. We know that because verse 1 says the promises will not be fulfilled until latter times, the first and second advents of Christ. So these promises would not occur for many, many years to come. Do you know the Assyrian captivity was only months away? It would occur in just a few months in 734 B.C. And yet Isaiah, knowing it full well at the very time, says these promises are so sure it is as though they have already happened. See, I want to pause here and ask this question. Does this teach us something about the Christian life? Does it? Does it teach us something about following Jesus? I think it does. Jesus does not always change our immediate circumstances. He does not always remove our problems. But what he does do is this. His promise to us is, because He controls our future, He is blessing us in the present. I want to just stop for a moment, and I want to ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe what we are seeing here? That even when your problems remain, as deep and serious as they may be, that Jesus is still blessing you right now. You see, if he controls the future like this says he does, then he is blessing you now in other ways. And if he is blessing you now in other ways, he will bless you fully when he comes again. Let me say this again. Because it's so important for us to grasp onto as we enter into 2021 
with all of the uncertainties that may come our way. If Jesus controls the future as this prophecy says he does, then he is blessing you now in other ways. And if he is blessing you now in other ways, then when he comes again, he will fully bless you. And that is your confidence and strength as you enter a new year. Well, how is Jesus blessing us now? Well, Isaiah gives to us three ways. Let me mention them to you, and then we will just look at one of them. But here are the three ways that Jesus is blessing us now if we know him by faith as the child who was born and the son who has been given to us in the gospel. Here are the three ways. He gives us light even in darkness. That's verses 1 and 2. Secondly, he gives us joy even in sadness. That's verse 3. And finally, he gives us triumph even in defeat. That's verses 4 and 5. Do you think you can face a new year no matter what comes on the basis of those blessings? He gives us light even in darkness. He gives us joy even in sadness. And he gives us triumph even in defeat. I think I can face a new year. Even if that new year happens to be deja vu all over again knowing that Jesus is blessing me in these ways. Let's look at the first one for just a moment. He gives us light even in darkness. Verse 1 here tells us that the tribes that were to be brutalized, attacked, murdered, and oppressed first were Zebulun and Naphtali. They were near the border of Assyria, so when the Assyrians came in, they would naturally be the ones that got it first. Do you know what the Assyrians would do after besieging and destroying a city? They would take severed heads of their victims, and they would pile them up into a huge pyramid at the front gates of the city they had destroyed. And it was their way of striking fear into anyone opposing them who would say, we're going to resist your captivity of our cities. Think about that. Can you imagine going to a place like Harvey that perhaps had been besieged and overrun and destroyed, and there as you enter into that town is a huge pyramid of severed heads as a warning to you and what could happen to you if you oppose the Assyrians. So when Isaiah describes the Assyrian besiegement as gloom, anguish, contempt, darkness and deep darkness, he was describing exactly what these people would go through. But did you notice what Isaiah says would happen in verse 2? He says these people would see a great light. On them, he says, a light has shone. Now, I want to give you a little quiz here this morning. And I'm sure that you know the answers to this little quiz. Where did Jesus grow up? Well, you know Nazareth. Do you know what area Nazareth was in? 
It was in the area of Zebulun. And then if I were to ask you, when Jesus began his ministry, what town was his headquarters in? And you know the answer, it was Capernaum. Do you know where Capernaum was located? It was located in the tribe of Naphtali. And then the third question in this quiz is, who called himself the light of the world? And obviously it was Jesus. Now Matthew 4, 12 to 16, quotes these very verses to say they would be fulfilled by Christ in his first coming. Think about this. The ones who got it first and got it the worst were the ones that Jesus came to first. Let that sink in for a moment. The ones who got it from the Assyrians first and got it the worst were the ones that Jesus came to first. Isaiah said the siege will come and the oppression will never be lifted. Yet Jesus blessed his very people in the ways that are described here. What does the Gospel of John tell us? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And it was the Galileans who first experienced the light of his life. And I have to ask you this question. Do you have his life as a believer? Has his life lit up your life? Then you have been blessed in the very same way that they have. Or think of what Jesus said in John 12 and verse 46. He, has, he said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Think again about this. The Galileans were the very first ones to hear the light of his truth and his teaching. Do you have his truth as a believer in Christ? Well, of course you do. So you're blessed in the very same way that they were. And then think of verse 36 here in John 12. Jesus said, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Think about this again. The very first ones who were invited to become sons of the light were the Galileans because Jesus came to them first. And I have to ask us this question this morning. Have you become a son or a daughter of light because you have received this child who was born, this son who was given. And what's the answer? Of course you have. You have been blessed in the very same way that they were. Do you see what Isaiah is promising? When we have Christ, he gives us light even in the darkness. And if he did this in his first coming then he will do all the rest in his second coming. Listen, the good news for us as we conclude a very difficult year and move into a new year, not knowing what may come our way is this wonderful news because he controls your future. 
it means he's already blessing you now. And if he's already blessing you now, he will complete all the blessings he intends for you when he comes again. Let me ask you this morning, because all of that is true, can we face 2021 with confidence, unafraid, with great strength and trust in our Lord? I think the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. What a great Savior we have. How wonderful to know him. How wonderful to place our lives in his hand and trust him for the future that he is already in and already working out for our good. Let's bow together together this morning and let's thank him as we wind out this final Sunday of the year 2020. And again, if you have any questions about what you've heard from the Word of God this morning, and you'd like to know how you can personally know the Savior that the Bible so wonderfully sets before us, please contact us here at Bethel Baptist Church in Marquette, Michigan. Our website is BethelMarquette.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And if there are any questions that we can answer, that's why we're here. We want you to know the Savior that we know. Let's bow together. And let's thank him this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, how wonderful it is for us to open up your word in the Old Testament and read about the incarnation and the gospel. Read about the promises of God and find that the truths that we so relish in, that are so rich and real for us as believers today, are found so wonderfully revealed on the pages of your Old Testament scriptures. And Lord, for some of us, this has been a very difficult and challenging year. And as we look forward to the new year, we are hoping and, and wishing that things might be different. But we know that being a Christian does not protect us from reality. And there may be some greater challenges for us yet to face. And yet what we have is a wonderful Savior who is with us, who has given us incredible blessings even now in spite of the deepest trials and hardest difficulties. And we know because he is doing that and he controls the future that we know he has a wonderful plan for us and he will fulfill all he has promised in his time. Help us to be encouraged in our faith. Help us to find strength and a renewed commitment for living for this wonderful Savior as he brings us into a brand new year. And I pray, Lord, for those today who might be especially discouraged, who might be especially wondering what life is going to bring to them. I pray that as they meditate on these wonderful words, it will lift their spirits and help them to rejoice in the Savior that we sing about, that we express our love to, as we anticipate and wait for his wonderful coming again someday. It's in Jesus' strong and loving name, and all overcoming name, that we pray these things for his sake. Amen.